0: Welcome to The Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of TheCinematropolis.com, your home dedicated to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and in today's special episode, that's right, extra bonus content for your ears, we'll be doing a spoiler-free review of Mission Impossible Fallout. This is the latest Tom Cruise film. Of the Mission Impossible series, the what's The sixth entry in the series, the second directed by Christopher McQuarrie. So I think it's going to be a really fun time. I've been looking forward to this one. In this special episode, we're also joined by an old friend, fellow podcaster who who I go way back with. I'm talking way back. It's <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. Been a while. Together, we've talked about countless movies over at Good Trash Media. Uh, we've talked about Game of Thrones. We've done a True Detective podcast on the uh, Much Maligned season two, um, and, which uh, you and I are both kind of defenders of a little bit yeah i mean i think there's a lot there to like i think there is too yeah but you know how it's like on the spectrum of liking it we're definitely more in the liking it co- comparative to everyone else That's for sure yeah. yeah ladies and gentlemen i'm very happy to welcome uh, one of the co-founders and hosts of the good trash genre cast dalton stewart dalton welcome hello I, I don't i don't have to to do anything you've you've intro me
1: very successfully Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, you Feel, smashed it. Yeah. So, hi, I'm here. I'm super excited yeah. to be talking uh, not just about this uh, film, uh, but with you. Yeah. We, uh, we have not got to sit around mics together for quite some time. I know. Uh, exciting things for you going on lately, man, uh, with the the Cinematropolis, with the, the screenings you've been hosting over at Tower. Thanks. It's, uh, it's been exciting to, to watch you uh, have all this shit going on. This is an explicitly tagged show, right? Oh, yeah. You're I thought good. I saw that. Okay. No, you're good. I, I was thinking about that on the way here. I was like, I don't. I don't know. I can, I can dial it back if I need to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, No, 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 you're fine. You be you. It's been very exciting to like see all, all the things that you've been working on since, uh, since you left good trash. So it's, it's super exciting to, to sit down with you and, uh, Talk about talk about a new release like
0: old times, I know, man. just like old times. Back on uh, goodtrashmedia.com, you can find... We we did a movie review series. It was weekly, and we talked... I think there's like over 60 episodes. I, th- I want to say it's like 63
1: or 64. 64 yeah, yeah that Including sounds right.
0: a couple of... Uh, at least one year in review. Yep. Uh,
1: that was an yep. epic, what, two? Yeah, it was like a three-parter. It was... God, we <laughs> recorded
0: for four hours. It was, I, it was insane. That, that was the longest podcast I've ever recorded in my life. And, and, I'm... Super happy to get you on 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 the cinematic schematic, and uh, I'm, I'm a little bummed it took me so long. It's just one of those, you know, once you, you, you get going, and then it's like uh, I want to find a good action movie to bring Dalton on, and, and uh, it's kind of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I don't think we've done a single Mission Impossible movie. Oh my movie. god. Okay, yeah. so we have not talked about Mission Impossible ever on a show, yeah. proper. So this is this is it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just go ahead, stop uh, dancing around the the subject matter. Let's go ahead and jump right into uh, our review of Mission Impossible Fallout. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. So a quick synopsis that will tell you absolutely nothing about the film that you don't know about Mission Impossible. Uh, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some familiar allies, race against time after a mission gone wrong. Yeah, that that is what happens. (laughs) It's like every Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, it's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, actually literally the plot of the first one, too, I e- think. Exactly. It, it's, you can apply that to anybody. I guess the familiar faces is the yeah. only piece that's...
1: But I think literally all of these movies, uh, with the exception of maybe two and four... No, no, four's all about a mission gone... Yeah, yep. I think all of them yep. start with the mission not
0: going well, Yep, and the movie is just like putting the pieces back together. It's kind of hilarious because I don't think we've... Uh, at least in the film series, not not to relate, which is not related to the, the television series... I think there are some references... To the the nineteen sixties TV series in that first movie, like, like, yeah. Well, the the bad guy, it, it, uh, John, Boyd's John character. John Boyd's I character is, is like the main character in the show, I, I believe. believe so. But yeah.
1: yeah, other than that, I think that's about the only connection.
0: Yeah. So in the films, we've never actually seen a proper mission go as planned.
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not usually.
0: What 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 where would the fun be in that? Caleb? It's it's a great point because that's always that's one of the staples of the series at this point. There's a mole somewhere, we've got to find him. Uh, well, awesome. Uh, so this as I mentioned is the first time for Mission Impossible that we have a returning writer director Christopher McQuarrie, mm-hmm. who also wrote and directed uh, Rogue Nation, the mm-hmm. last uh, entry I think it was 2015. And so It was interesting because this has never happened before. Tom Cruise has previously used these movies as a way to bring in new directors and work with people he wants to work with while also, you know, being a vehicle for his own stunts that he wants to pull off. And uh, Mission Impossible was actually his first film as a producer, the original. So this is his baby. So it was interesting. He liked Christopher McQuarrie so much between Rogue Nation and the Jack Reacher movies. Yeah, because he brought him over from the Jack Reacher Mm -hmm. film
1: to uh, Rogue Nation. I guess they had such a good time making that kind of mid-budget action
0: thriller, action. <laughs> that he was like, hey, you want to do something real wild? <laughs> like, I want you to film me on a motorcycle. And I think, uh, actually, Christian McQuarrie also... Co-wrote or did some work on Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, I think, yeah,
1: I think he's got a co-writing
0: credit on that.
1: Um, but yeah, they, they've been their their partnership's been going on for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, macquarie's obviously most famous for you know breaking out with his screenplay for The Usual Suspects, yep. um, and the uh, the much maligned but I think super interesting way of the gun that he did with uh, Ryan Phillippe and Benicio del Toro. Yes, uh, which a, a weird nihilistic
0: film. Have you have you seen that movie? Um, I have seen it once. And I don't remember it being nihilistic. If that tells you anything, it's it's been a minute. It's absolutely insane. This is a, a movie where
1: uh, Ryan Phillippe punches Sarah Silverman in like the first five minutes. I yeah. Okay. This, you know, maybe me- I haven't seen this movie. This movie's <laughs> it, Caleb. This movie is buck wild. So yeah, I mean, Christopher McQuarrie's been around for a while. And, uh, yeah, his partnership with Tom Cruise has really kind of rejuvenated his career in a lot of ways, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And it's good to see him him back in the spotlight because uh, I actually love that you mentioned Usual Suspects because he takes – it's a very uh, – the, the, the plot of that movie, it's got a cool twist. But it's also a fairly intricate plot, and I think he's taken that and applied it to Mission Impossible, uh, a lot of those – because the thing I like about Mission Impossible and, uh, yeah, Fallout specifically, it's intricately plotted – uh, but you never, ever feel bored. You never feel like you don't care or you, f- you don't feel like you're being misled, even though you are being misled. Like it's it's a very honest, transparent story that happens to involve a lot of really cool twists. Uh, but and it's also what's really cool is even though this is definitely the one that feels the most like a sequel than any of the other movies before uh, to the m- most recent e- entry is it's very accessible.
1: Yeah, our our, um, our, our frequent collaborator, Kirsten Thurkelson, the uh, the frightful femme of Good Trash Media, joined uh, me for the press screening. We uh, recorded a hot take in a hot car uh, on my phone after the fact. And yeah, she I think Ghost Protocol is the only one she had seen. Um, and yeah, she she also really liked it. I mean, I think it, it still remains super accessible. And I think that's kind of always been a big selling point of this franchise is uh, it's easy for people to jump in because they are kind of standalone entries. But yeah, I think there is um there are narrative threads that reward fans of the franchise without spoiling anything here uh there is a callback to a character from the very first mission impossible um in the way of an arms dealer that uh, is featured prominently as a as a side character um or she has a relationship to a previous character in the franchise so there's some some fun nuggets uh throughout the film i think like that but you, you're right i mean it still functions very much as its own story mm-hmm.
0: and i think you know one thing if if you're a listener out there and, and you have Haven't seen the Mission Impossible movies and are wondering what the buzz is about. Uh, The thing that I find amazing is on the surface, if you don't know anything about these movies and you just look at the poster, a lot of people write these movies off as really generic action movies, but they... That cannot be further from the truth. These are these are very eloquently well put together action films, and especially you know in the in the era of CGI that we're in, where everything's on a green screen. I mean, I think uh, Skyscraper just came out a couple weeks ago, and literally every major action set piece in that movie was the rock on a green screen. You know, so in an era where it's less and less about real people doing things, the, the Mission Impossible movies has uh, overwhelmingly f- featured practical stunts or at least as practical as possible without tom cruise doing actual suicidal things although i think he's kind of pushed the envelope on that as well
1: uh yeah you think uh (laughs) the man learned how to fly a helicopter in six weeks that's caleb who does that do you know this story
0: i don't know this story enlighten me
1: so the legend is according you know and you gotta always take these production stories with a grain of salt because i you know while i'm sure there's some truth to this. Uh, You know, it bolsters the film's credit to to tell these kind of insane tales of of uh, production uh, drama. But the the rumor has it that, you know, Tom Cruise, there's a let's call it a helicopter fight at the end of this film. Uh, And Tom wanted to fly the helicopter. He insisted upon it. uh, And him and Macquarie were like, "Okay, let's let's figure out how to make this work. Well, it takes three months to get to even be certified on this helicopter that they're flying. And he says, why does it take three months? Uh, why? Why can I only fly it eight hours a day? And they're like, Well, that's that's you know, it takes a crew to get the helicopter going. Like he's like, Well, what if I do sixteen hours a day? <laughs> oh, so they yeah. had two helicopter crews. One would go for eight hours, tag out, tag in a second backup team and tom would go for 16 hours learning to fly this helicopter and then did in six weeks what is supposed to take three months tom cruise is not a human no he he (laughs) refuses to admit his mortality and i think that's what's super interesting about look we don't it goes without saying that Tom Cruise is a, kind of a problematic figure yeah. in Hollywood. Look, if you don't believe me, you can go watch the, the really great Scientology documentary that HBO produced, yeah. um, Going Clear. Uh was it, Alex Gibney? Is that who did that? I think, I think so. Think it's yes. an Alex Gibney mm-hmm. one. But anyway, I think that should probably tinge everything we talk about here. But I think what's really interesting about the Mission Impossible franchise it is a it is about a man uh, who just wants America and the world to like him and is willing to put himself in harm's way to convince you that he's likable. And it's such a interesting, I I find these movies as interesting an examination of Tom Cruise's psyche as they are just really well orchestrated action films. And I, I think that's, what's really exciting about them because there's that meta element uh, of the real world that kind of always encroaches in on these
0: films just by virtue of the practical stunts that we've mentioned well i, I mean a, a great example of that and I, I i don't i'm not gonna take credit for it but uh patrick willem did an entire youtube video about this about why ethan hunt's a great character and why it's more interesting because uh It's actually about Tom Cruise. Absolutely. I I, I hadn't heard this idea, but yeah, I was actually thinking about this. No, it's I mean, yeah, I know. Uh, So yeah, I I think it's a really spot on reading you have because the third film is when, about the time he was getting in with Katie Holmes. Yeah, this is about this wild guy trying to settle down. Like
1: one to two years after the couch jumping incident that uh, number three comes out. The the one that, you know, I I think really kind of establishes the genre as we know it today. Yeah, yes. Uh, But uh, even that said, the the weakest, uh, you know, the, undisputedly weakest entry in the genre, uh, part two with, uh, that John Woo directed with, uh, Thandie Newton and, um, and, uh, Anthony Hopkins, yes, uh, and Doug Ray Scott, who almost was
0: Wolverine, almost was Wolverine,
1: uh, but wasn't because of Mission Impossible Two. <laughs> Matt Singer over at Screen Crush had this really great article about like, hey, yes, this movie doesn't work, but it also started a lot of the trends that we associate with the Mission Impossible franchise. So I, I kind of like that continuity that this series has had. Just even, even though as we've mentioned, they are all kind of their own standalone stories, uh, with Fallout being the first exception to that. I, I think they've done a really good job of having there be a production of a continuity of production right uh, and, and letting audiences kind of be part of that production continuity just by you know the, the really the marketing push for all of these films being talking about how they did these crazy stunts
0: yeah no i I wholeheartedly agree and it's interesting because the first film is a totally different animal the first film is actually worth revisiting
1: yeah Uh, i I watched it
0: uh well right after rogue nation the the most recent yeah so
1: read three years ago ago. and i
0: think the 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 points are the same it's really interesting because it's a combination of just mission impossible an adaptation of mission impossible which is already kind of a quirky show uh so you've got all the the weird tropes they try to bring over from that you've got the fact that it's Made in the '90s, and it's really interesting because they get a lot of the ideas about where technology is going correct, yeah. but like the way they visualize it is bonkers because based on the limitations they had. Yeah. You
1: know? Well, and it's also very much a, a Brian De Palma film. Yes. You know, it's not; it doesn't yeah. have the bombast that John Woo would bring
0: to it, right. and then would kind of be associated with the franchise going yes. forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, you have Brian De Palma. It's more of an espionage film too. Is just balls to the wall. Yeah, there's a motorcycle right, joust yes. in it. Yeah. They, they actually, yeah, the just they actually they, ride at each other on motorcycles. So
1: so good. <laughs> Look, that film is not great, but there are some sequences in that Lent film that's just delightful. Is the Mission Impossible theme. There's a great. I mean, that, that's the film that brings about all the the face mask switcheroos yeah. that we've come. That's the first movie that does that, and this film's got a couple of really fun switcheroos with the face masks yeah. that we won't spoil. But yeah, I I, I like thinking about fall out just as it kind of pertains to the rest of this franchise but again as we've said I, I think if you're going in cold you're not really a fan of this franchise already that's okay you don't go just go for it you'll have a good time yeah i'm, I'm pretty sure i i feel confident in saying that you do not need to have any exposure to the mission impossible franchise
0: yeah. and now that we spent like you know 10 minutes talking about what we like what the yeah. franchise no totally you're, you're totally spot on though uh there's a lot to love about this franchise but th- this film really does operate on its own if you need to if you have to watch one before you watch this one you watch rogue nation for sure but, but but, uh, well, let's talk a little, a little more specifically about Fallout. So, uh, Dalton, what are your favorite things about this movie? What are things that really stick out to you that make it exceptional? Because it's been heralded by critics. Yeah, I,
1: David Ehrlich over at IndieWires called it the best action film since Fury Road. One of the best action films of all time, he's called it. And I, yeah, I don't know if that I would go that far, but I, I think, he, you know, he's not out of out of school for making that assessment because i think there's a lot that works here you mentioned tropes uh at play in mission possible one and i think one of the things other than obviously these really great action set pieces one of the things that fallout does so well is it takes tropes that we know from you know the action genre the thriller genre the spy genre and subverts them in ways that are really interesting it has a real self-awareness in terms of you know the craft of making this kind of movie in a way that's not irritating like Uh, You know, Deadpool came out earlier this summer, Deadpool 2 came out earlier this summer, and that's a film that honestly feels less self-aware than Mission Impossible Fallout, despite the fact that it's got all this fourth wall breaking. It's still very much a kind of conventional superhero film, and I think Fallout succeeds in having a a, a trope self-awareness that never becomes self-indulgent. You know, there's a ticking clock at one point in this film, and they do a really good job of... uh, calling out what an obvious trope that is. Uh, There's a a moment where uh, a man is the damsel in distress. There's all kinds of great moments like that throughout this film where there really is an interesting subversion of the tropes as we know them. Um, And for me, that's one of the things that I really like. The other thing that I really liked is just the, as we talked about, you know, these films being about Tom Cruise as much as they are about Ethan Hunt, I, I really like the ways in which this film paints Ethan Hunt as an unmitigated good. Uh, Just better than Batman. That's how good he is. He's tortured by his unbreaking, unyielding morality. And I think that's fun. You know, in a time that is obviously very fraught and uh, pretty fucked up, for lack of a better way to put it, it's nice to have a film, you know, I like anti-heroes as much as the next person. I mean, I, I know you do as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I like my complicated heroes, uh, even if we're going to talk about other blockbuster fare, you know, uh, whether it's Logan or uh, Blade Runner 2049 from last year, both films that are kind of dark and brooding and have action elements. Uh, I like those kind of characters, but there is something really satisfying about Ethan Hunt. There, there's a scene uh, about the midway point in the film where Ethan Hunt has to... Uh, kill a couple of guys who are about to kill a police officer. Uh, and the the fact that they choose, that Christopher McQuarrie and, and the rest of, of, of the team choose to make that a moment and let the film really breathe and tell you something about the character of Ethan Hunt that even when... It, it is justifiable to take human lives. He still doesn't want to do it. He still doesn't want to do it because even the bad guys' lives matter to Ethan Hunt. And I think that's such an interesting choice for this film to make because there is so much kind of wanton death in all of our action cinema, um, that, uh, that a film of this size, uh, Chooses to take a breath there, I think, is really refreshing.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, comparing it to something like Death Wish that came out uh, earlier, earlier this year, year yeah. you know, uh, where the bad guys are just archi- uh you know, caricatures that get off, and there's no mm-hmm. real consequence to the hero or anything like that. And uh, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that because it doesn't seem outside of superheroes, which have their own sort of uh, caricatureism to them, even mm-hmm. the ones I like. They're the action heroes there aren't really that many where the peep person actually really weighs the the value of a life
1: absolutely and even in something like uh guardians of the galaxy volume two which is you know an action film was kind of held up as being like a really good family story that's still a, a film that spoilers for a film literally everyone saw but you know you've got michael rooker kills like 300 yeah, people in yeah. that film i mean just and, and again it's a it's it's a scene that's really good but it feels kind of you know, incongruous with the rest of the movie. Cause it's this kind of lighthearted jaunt as Michael Rooker commits a mass murder. And yeah, they're all bad guys, but it's still a lot of human life that is being expended for a laugh, uh, essentially. And, and again, that, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that in a film, but it, Kind of cuts your legs out from underneath you when you're trying to tell a story about good guys, right. uh, to some extent. Right. So, and again, while I I like complicated anti-heroes, they're like as you mentioned, there's not a lot of examples of this. I I can't think of any other or, than even, even had, with
0: superheroes. We right. thought of that example right there. Well, I mean, even with someone like James Bond, he kills a lot of bad guys, and and uh, the most recent rendition of James Bond with Daniel Craig, we saw. There is a little more weight to it, but it's, it gets a little too mopey. You know what I mean? It gets a little too dark for, yeah. for a, a, a nice, kind of bright, sunny action hero. Yeah. And the film, you're, it just stays so breezy. It uh-huh. it, it, it
1: All of our films, uh, you know, there, there's been plenty of talk this last couple of weeks over, you know, the 10-year anniversary of The Dark Knight and the negative impact that's had on yes. action and blockbuster cinema. And I think Fallout kind of rightfully, other than embracing practical effects the same way, you know, that film did it really eschews that kind of dark brooding stuff. I mean, this is a film that, uh, again, staying spoiler free hinges on stopping the death of a lot of people. And yet the film manages to be very breezy and, you know, not too self-serious, uh, but also, again,
0: have weight. And right. it's,
1: it's, a, it's a very delicate balancing act that I feel like it pulls off.
0: Yeah, yeah I agree. Because I do feel like, in, in some ways, the last two entries of the series have been the air quotes darkest. But, like, they're not dark as in, like, uh, they're not gritty. They're not self-serious. They're... There, there's not really a lot of melodrama, and, and and again like you said ethan hunt is a good guy that you can get behind that you root for uh i think the the line alec baldwin says in this movie is you value the individual as much as you value the millions and that's why you're the right man for this job so yeah of thing. I that's a, not a spoiler but no
1: that's that comes super early in the film and I, again i think it's a great if you're trying to decide like whether this film is for you or not I think knowing that that is kind of the thesis statement of not only this film, but the main character, I I think is kind of an interesting selling point, honestly, is they have kind of, continued to codify the idea of who is Ethan Hunt. And that's one of the things that makes these films work is some really great character work, not just for Ethan Hunt, but also for Ving Rhames Luther and Simon mm-hmm. Pegg's Benji, uh and also uh, Rebecca Ferguson's Ilsa Faust, who is, you know, kind of the breakout of Rogue Nation. I mean, I didn't know who Rebecca Ferguson was mm-hmm. before that film, and now I'm always excited when she shows up in things. Um and, and even um uh, Sean Harris, uh yes. from Prometheus who returns from Rogue Nation playing the the villain even that character who's definitely very evil gets character moments and we get to like learn things about characters. God, God forbid you should
0: have character beats in an action film. Whoa, what what are you talking about? Dalton? I just, I need more explosions. Uh, (laughs) uh, And that that hits on what works really well because this movie has character beats. You get behind the characters. You you follow a story. It's complex, but not convoluted and it's not hard to follow. Um, there's somehow they managed to hit the pacing flawlessly because you're never bored because there's so many action beats thrown at you constantly, constantly action beats. But also I never feel like it takes away from the character beats. It never takes away from the fact that the the story is uh, not just either lazy or thrown together or treating the audience like it's dumb. Like there's none of that. It just feels like a clean action move. That's got enough there that if you want to, if you want to pay attention, there's some real value there. But if you don't, you can also just go and check out really, some of the most impressive uh, action scenes I've seen at least this year, if not in the last five years. Yeah. And I, I think where it succeeds though, is it, it invites
1: the, a casual film goer who is, still probably has some sort of literacy with action cinema, just because it's one of our more popular genres out there. Um, I, I, I think these meta things that we've talked about, it does so in such a way that it makes it really accessible. It makes it easy for uh, the casual film goer to, to get what the film is doing. If that makes sense, especially Again, we're trying to stay spoiler-free, but there is a moment at the end of this film uh, with a with a ticking clock, as these films often end. And I think the the execution of that scene is so successful, and in, like inviting the audience to think about other scenes like that in cinema. And I think there's, there's really cool choices there. Um, yeah, I I think one of the things that most excites me about it, as you mentioned, just talking about you know how clean and efficient it is. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie does like a six minute exposition dump in the first 10 minutes of this film. Mm-hmm. And I was like stealing myself to be annoyed with his exposition dump. And it's just delightful. Yeah. It's just, it's just, a, it's quick, efficient, and you know, it maintains your interest by having innovative film techniques that show you this exposition as much as it's telling you exposition.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what you see? I'm talking about Re- yeah. early in the film or yeah, very early early in the literally film, like the second scene. E- yes. And they, they, they lay it. I mean, cause again, it, it's, it is exposition, but I think what you're talking about is the way they're able to communicate it visually. You're not just uh, talking heads in a room or the whole movie comes to a halt, even though it's the beginning. You know what I mean? It, like it, it just if it, you feel engaged. Yeah. And, and that leads to, uh, you know, a, a pretty brief action
1: scene that opens the movie and then leads us into um, another scene of exposition that is so exciting and so delightful and has. I mean, again, in the first 10 minutes of this film, we've got a really incredible twist um again i don't yeah. want to spoil it because it's so exciting but when, when that happened caleb what were you what were, where was your mind at did you think that man is this what this movie's
0: about because that's what i was thinking i i picked up on it i picked it yeah mm-hmm. okay there was uh so the, the scene you're talking about it's very early in the film mm-hmm. and you're rolling with it you're like oh man this is getting really serious real fast mm-hmm. and like i don't know where this guy came from. i don't know what's going on mm-hmm. And you're you're kind of learning it with with another character, like okay, what's going on? But it's trickery. It's very very clever trickery, though. It's really... Again, I I almost you uh, have to. And the only, I I you know I kind of just just before the reveal, one of those like right before you're yeah. like, wait a second, something's off, and then yeah. like your brain starts. So you're like, wait, I'm watching a Mission Impossible
1: movie. And that's the thing that's so exciting. The mission, this Mission Impossible and Rogue Nation, uh, I think as I recall, did this as well. But the the script does a, just a great job of letting you know the twist right before it lets the characters know the uh-huh. twist. Uh, but th- there is that moment uh, when when this scene happens that I was like, oh man, is that what this movie's about? Because I kind of want to see that movie yeah, too. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah.
0: We're like, whoa, this got really... There's a lot of dark stuff that happened off screen. Holy smokes.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, and <laughs> again, the the fourth movie opens with the Kremlin getting blown up. Yeah, So I, I'm prepared
0: for these movies to like really lay it out on you well and again, yeah we've seen them do that time and time again where they actually do have devastating yeah. uh, world changing uh, bombs go off or events occur yeah so again i just i wanted to talk about those opening scenes
1: because it, it is such an exciting way to lay out exposition quickly and efficiently and in and,
0: and a way that's fun right right and just it reels you in and grabs you and then yeah. and then it buys your trust with something like that because yeah. it's so clever and so smart. You're, you're like, all right, well, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and subverts one of my, uh, with again, without doing uh, too many
1: spoilers, uh, again, talking about the tropes that this film engages with. Uh, one of my least favorite tropes in cinema is uh, the real life news person. Oh yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I, I get yeah. why we go to that. Well, so often I, I find I'm usually annoyed with it, but it, In this film, they find a way to take even that trope that I'm annoyed by and really make it new and fresh and exciting.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. That's a in fact, it was one of those. uh, There's a we we get some talking heads in this movie. And when I saw them, I was like, really, are we going to do this? I, we've I, done I, this so many times. I actually rolled my eyes. I was like, what's going on? That seems uncharacteristic. Then, but then the way they yeah, use they it, you're just, like, what?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Every time you
0: think you've got this film figured out, it surprises you in a really exciting way. Yes. I wholeheartedly agreed. Uh, so one thing I want to talk about is there were some newcomers to this film as well. Uh, Henry Cavill was, was one of the bigger... H- Henry Cavill and... Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. Thank yep. you. Uh, both representing the CIA. Mm-hmm. Now, if you follow the series, I don't want to spoil past entries too much, but more or less, there is this back and forth specifically in what could be considered the air quotes trilogy starting with four five and six there's this back and forth between the imf and the cia uh well even uh, in the first one i mean the first film is you know the the big set piece that we all
1: remember is them breaking into
0: Langley, That's right. of the CIA. So yeah, that's
1: kind of been a fixture of the
0: franchise. No, that's a good point, that that, that there's always been a weird tension between the two. Uh, It was very prominent in in 5. We Mm -hmm. had Alec Alec Baldwin, who actually was in the CIA in in the most recent film. And we, we have them playing this new kind of wild card, because they make it very clear early on, that oh we're not your allies. I mean we're technically part of the same country, yeah. but we're not we're not friends. At yeah, all. no, we we are here because we don't like the way you do things. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I want to get your take, Dalton. Uh, I I personally I don't know. I found uh, of course uh, on the internet that a lot of people don't like Henry Cavill very much. I like him more than i don't and i actually thought this was a really good role for him uh maybe a, a little bit more scene chewing would have been nice because i feel like he got a little i mean great physical presence uh, the man the reloads his fists yes he reloads
1: his fists because they're so powerful exactly. it's the silliest thing i've ever seen and i love it fantastic um to, to tease that out though yeah i look henry cavill said some real dumb shit
0: uh, oh, okay, yeah, if we want to t- comment on that. Yeah, I wasn't even acknowledging the recent... But he's, yeah, he
1: said some very dumb things. It's yeah, not the first things. dumb thing he said, but I, I generally like him in films. Uh, I know you really enjoyed him in The Man from U.N.C.L.E., uh, which I still haven't caught up with. Yeah, he's great. Um, I, I kind of like him as Superman. I, I think the material he's been given to play
0: Superman is really unfortunate. I, I, I agree. Uh, and as... Uh, oh, without chasing that rabbit, but as seen in uh, Justice League, which is not a great movie, but they... Do some very obvious course correcting on how they did Superman. I was like, "Oh, this is yeah, this is oh
1: yeah." He could totally do Superman. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I liked him in Man of Steel, which I, 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 I think too. has its moments. So I, I generally like Henry Cavill. One of the things that I like about him in this film is uh from from the first you know moment that he's really involved in the action of the film obviously he gets introduced in kind of a, a scene of exposition uh but the, the the famous halo jump that they've been showing in a lot of the trailers which again another production history that who knows how true this is uh, legend has it that tom cruise jumped out of that plane 106 times once a day
0: because because they had to get the they shot. three right. minutes.
1: They had three minutes of daylight to do it because they wanted it at dusk. Yeah, and that's that's legend. He's did it a hundred and six times.
0: That is legend, according to Christopher McQuarrie from Twitter, as of I mean, as recent of to, as today. Yeah, talking so about this.
1: Who, who knows if that's true, but man, that scene is wild. Oh, because that was correct. that was a moment where I was like, how much? Where's the where's the seams? Where's the CGI? There's a storm here. I know the storm's not real, but where's the like? And you kept looking for where the seams. In in the in, in the fiction were and it's such a you know, we've seen a lot of skydiving scenes in films even. Uh, going all the way back to Point Break, and that's why people still like Point Break. The original is because of all of those very real skydiving scenes, uh, and seeing this Halo jump, which again, for those who are not aware, there's a really exciting one in Godzilla. Uh, but Halo jump is a basically a jump from the upper atmosphere. That's why there's you know breathing apparatuses involved. Um, so I kept looking for the seams in it. I couldn't find it, and yeah. it's just like I mean, right right there, you're like, what is this? What is this movie doing? But even in that scene, I. I love that they paint uh, Henry Cavill's character as kind of just an unmitigated doofus. Yes. Just a complete bozo. Uh, It's delightful. I I think it's really fun to have Ethan Hunt's foil be so much less competent than him and also again right as they introduce him Angela Bassett says you're a scalpel you're a hammer like she tells you everything you need to know about who these two characters are and then it immediately cuts to them having this real machismo standoff and the the film like kind of laughs at how silly it is that these guys are posturing at each other yeah. like in There's plenty of scenes of, of, you know, Dick measuring in action cinema. Uh, And I I think the film has a really good sense of humor about those moments. But that is the most long winded way I could have possibly said I like Henry Cavill. No,
0: no, that's great. That's exactly what I was looking for, because uh, I I agree. I think I don't think having just recently rewatched all these movies. I don't think we, he's had a foil like Cavill. Like you no. said, kind of a bonehead, yeah. but also has enough charm. He still has a lot of charm to him. But like real, because like Jeremy Renner kind of acts as a foil to him in yes. Ghost Protocol. Yeah.
1: And, and Jeremy Renner's character, as I recall, is just as likable as Ethan Hunt. He just disagrees with Ethan Hunt. Um, and here we've got Henry Cavill's character who is really unlikable throughout the film. And the film finds interesting ways to kind of further your feelings about
0: him. Um, but yeah I, he's silly as hell <laughs> you're right he's a bonehead right and uh yeah i i appreciate his performance i would have loved to have seen him gotten not i don't know the movie's so lean i, I don't want to risk saying add more stuff to it but it would like uh he gets some good stuff i think he could have chewed the scenery a little more with a little more specifically in the second half it seems like he has a lot less to do mm-hmm. uh, or at least most of the second acts third act, early yeah, third well,
1: act. once we kind of understand what everybody's motivations are yeah, yeah. i know
0: exactly what you're saying
1: Um, And I I think I could agree with you to some extent that you almost wish for for a little bit more. But again, by that point in the film, we've brought back uh, Sean Harris's character, Solomon Lane, and he's just nibbling on that scenery. I I love him.
0: tears it up. I love it. Oh, great. He's such a good villain. I loved him in Rogue Nation, too. He's fantastic. And I I think this is the closest we've ever gotten to a Bond villain in a Mission Impossible movie. And he hits a home run.
1: I mean, I think the only... Other entry is uh Philip Seymour Hoffman in Mission Possible 3, who yeah. is just I, I think he's still kind of the the high watermark yes. for villains in this franchise. But yeah, it's the first time we've come anywhere close to that.
0: But Philip Seymour Hoffman, the difference between having again, having recently rewatched it, because you're right, he's like a big bad. Um, but it's what's funny about that movie, and this is just a testament to how great Philip Seymour Hoffman is, is if you if you remove the fact that he's playing that role, it's actually a pretty like I mean, he's an arm, basically a glorified arms dealer, yeah. which is still. Bond's fought those before, yeah. but he elevates what's a very two-dimensional, yeah. flat character just way up. I very memorable action movie villain. Sean Harris is definitely playing your more Moriarty-esque like, mustache world. twirly. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah,
1: and we're exactly. You're exactly right that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is kind of like a, a banal evil almost, uh-huh. and that that's kind of I think what makes him so scary is just complete ice. Like he does, he just has no motivations other than financial. I, I mean the, the iconic line. Uh, he's like you gotta wow. get a wife or yeah. a
0: girlfriend. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm gonna hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it, well they they used it in the trailer and it's I that was the moment where I was like I remember seeing that trailer and going I guess Mission Impossible's still good. <laughs> yeah, right. I remember seeing yeah. that. God, um, over ten years ago now, and thinking, mm-hmm. well, that looks awesome.
0: Yes. Yeah. No, and I, I didn't end up seeing it till after Rogue Nation, but. Uh, hey, it happens to the best of us. It was the first. So, I, having recently rewatched it in preparation for this new one, it was the first time I'd watched it since college, which was the only time I'd seen it. It was a funny thing. I'd only seen all of these, other than, I think, Ghost Protocol. I'd only seen them like once. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, as you mentioned earlier, a nice thing about this movie is, it, and I can speak to testament, it does. it is very rewarding if you've watched all the movies and followed along. Uh, n- never at the expense of making it complicated or being too fan service or anything like that. And again, that's the. I think just. What I One of the other things I like about it is in the age uh, where comic book movies dominate and fan service and crowd pleasing is the name of the game, Mission Impossible does those things but doesn't – I never feel like it's pandering or it's desperate for our love. It just does a thing that's really clever, like winks, but never winks at you. You're just like, oh, that's really clever, and it, it goes on. Uh, I don't feel like it over – there are some cool Easter eggs, but it never oversells them. You know, yeah. Anytime you're watching a Marvel film – there's always an overabundance of Easter eggs. It's like who can spot what. This movie is really not. It does a little, a few things like that, but it's not really interested in that. Is part yeah. of the
1: the selling point. Again, I, you know, I'm I'm a defender of Infinity War. I think that that was kind of the hot film conversation for about two months. Is how good is this movie? It it's successful. It's not a it's not a complete mess. But how good is it really? Right. And you know, I think there's plenty of merit to the idea that i think it is very good i i just think it's a different it's good if you accept that serialization is part of the new norm for filmmaking uh, right it's this film yeah. exists as we understand film as a non-serialized
0: format right right uh yeah i mean yeah yeah i mean infinity war is more like the season finale yeah, of exactly. a big show you've been following for a long time versus mission impossible war it's more like a it just ex- is it's a, it's a like film a, it's a film Maybe, maybe more akin to of like an X-Files episode where it's like, I mean, yeah, there's some through lines, but you don't have to pay attention to any of that. Yeah. You're, here for, you're here to get like a self-contained great story. Um, but yeah, it feels it feels a lot more weirdly classic because of that. It feels like it's from a different era because everyone's about expanded universes now. And uh, again, nothing I, I'm not going to say those are terrible, but it feels because it doesn't do those things, at least not... Uh, it's refreshing by being old-fashioned yes yeah exactly yeah an a- old-fashioned action movie and, and it's not not to say that these films uh, this film doesn't use Cgi it does but as you said it's very clever at hiding the scenes anytime they can do something in the frame they will Tom Cruise will ensure if it's humanly possible it'll get done <laughs> this uh, isn't a spoiler because it's you know featured prominently in the trailer if that motorcycle if if he
1: could have done that motorcycle crash I guarantee you he would have yes that's the one moment in the film where you're well one of a handful of moments in the film, we go. Okay, that was definitely CGI. Right. I guarantee you, they had a conversation about whether or not he could actually ram into a car at high speed on a motorcycle and be okay. Uh, the tumble he takes is very real. It's just there's a, a cut when he actually hits the car. Right. I guarantee you, there was a conversation about can we let Tom run into this car at you know forty miles an hour?
0: Tom really wants to do it. He, he wants. wants to he it. wants to do it. <laughs> he, he look. He just really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that God. That the, uh, there's a moment in this film uh just as we're talking about the action beats uh where again without spoiling anything uh Ethan Hunt says I won't let you down and it tells you so much about the psychology of Ethan Hunt and also Tom Cruise and it shows you that Tom Cruise is still a very good actor even though this you know latter stage of his career has kind of been dominated by very physical performances he does so much with that line I won't let you down that it really sells the idea of like who who didn't hug Ethan Hunt enough? <laughs> who is he? Who is he trying to impress? You know what I mean. Did, uh, that that uh, moment. The Church of Scientology you? has not hugged him enough, Dalton.
0: <laughs> did that? Did that scene work for you? You know, I'm sure you. Yes. Know which moment No, I'm I about, know right? exactly what you're talking yeah. about, and it means so much. I mean, just because you just see the authenticity in the performance, uh, and yes, what we've seen in, in the film so far, uh, knowing that he's done a lot of these stunts on his own, knowing and, and because. All of the 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 fight scenes, the, the the crashes, everything we see has such a weight. Like when someone gets punched in this movie, you feel it. You're like, oh, because of all those moments. When he says that, you believe him. Yeah, you, you know, like there's such a huge, raw human vulnerability there that just shines right through. It's
1: it's it's just delightful and refreshing to see a, an action film that has that much pathos. Because it's it's you know, I mean, again, I'm emotionally engaged by the Marvel films, but I, I think. Uh, with the exception of one or two beats in Infinity War. At, well, look, every, literally everyone in the world saw that movie. Uh,
0: yeah, everybody, I, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. Okay, everyone, every, I cheered up.
1: I cheered up a little I bit. I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark is a moment of real pathos, but yeah. all the moments of pathos in that film require you to have invested in other films. There's a moment of pathos in Mission Impossible Fallout that acts completely on its own merit within the confines of this two-and-a-half-hour film.
0: Right, yep. yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Well, well Dalton, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about the movie today before we make recommendations and wrap up? Um, I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, what's your favorite action set piece in, in this film? Oh, boy, I've been thinking about that. So the big one that was touted was, of course, the helicopters, which is very cool, uh, especially knowing that he did that. But I that motorcycle chase is really impressive. So as far as spectacle, I would say... Either the jump at the beginning, the halo jump at the beginning, or the or the motorcycles. Now, I will say, another favorite moment, without being spoilery. There is a moment in this movie where there's like a quadruple quintuple cross. And you're like, it's another one of those, like, I have no idea how this is about to go down. I'm sure a couple of these characters are okay, but it's in a moment where you're like, what's even going on? Yeah. So The stakes feel so high. That's a great movie moment. It's not really a set piece. I mean, technically, they're punching each other and shooting yeah. each other. You, but
1: but it's kind of a small moment. I, I know yeah. exactly the moment you're talking about. Mm. And yeah, it really sells the stakes in that scene because you're yeah. like, who's safe? Who's not right, safe? Right. What's happening? Right. Who's on whose side? Whose like, true allegiances? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. great moment. Yeah. yeah. So is that, that for you one of the highlights of the film? <laughs> that's
0: that's probably my favorite just standalone moment mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's it but yeah i would say that motorcycle chase and I, the reason is and we were, we were just talking about this the, the motorcycle chase in rogue nation is untouchable so they didn't they decided not to try and top it they went for something altogether different which is uh rogue nation on a highway doing cha- passing all those cars it looks it looks inhuman and terrifying. so dangerous oh yeah I,
1: I, again i i ride motorcycles from time to time uh that rogue nation chase like made me very uncomfortable what and and, and this one in fallout there's scenes yeah. there's moments where he like goes around cars and like puts his foot down to hold
0: his balance and i'm just like oh my god this is so yeah. unsafe yeah, yeah yeah i mean the way he's like swerving in between cars and stuff yeah and it's tighter it's in, a, in the city it's it's tighter it feels a little more intimate he's driving in traffic yes yeah yeah, yeah. versus on the highway at high speeds which again in in uh in rogue nation my yeah i know what you're talking about i i, I just rewatched a couple days ago and the scene in rogue nation where he's going around this curb and like leaning and he's probably what a foot off the ground maybe i mean maybe 12 oh, inches yeah, yeah. yeah it's 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 it, it is i don't even drive motorcycles my, my stomach turns over i'm like Ugh.
1: well and it, yeah. that's just another example of the, the real craft that happens in these two films is you know they take uh these motorcycles have them go 45 miles an hour make it look like 90 miles an right. hour and that's that's not just good action you know Uh, choreography, that's just really good camera work. That's really good filmmaking is taking something that's dangerous and making it look death defying yes uh and this film i think ups the ante and makes some things literally death defying actually death defying
0: yeah it was also nice to see oh, man they see that the list is long because i love there's a fight and it's again all, on all the chairs the the bathroom that is one
1: of my for me that honestly even though it's a small moment it might be one of my favorite action beats in the film uh, i do love uh outside of the actual motorcycle chase i like the, the Again, trying to stay spoiler-free, but this is in the trailer. Um, as part of that sequence, uh, a prison transport carrying Solomon Lane gets like knocked into a canal, uh, and the shot of that wall of water oh, coming up fantastic. and all of the action that's happening around, that's really exciting. But yeah, for me, that bathroom fight, that was one of the moments, because uh, it almost immediately follows that exciting halo jump. Uh, but that, that fight in that bathroom was the moment where I was like, okay, this film is... I, I, is just as good as all of the others. I'm completely hooked and sold on what they're. I'm, I'm buying what they are selling here.
0: Yeah, no, wholeheartedly. It's a it's a great old school action set piece. People going through walls. Henry Cavill doing his just, Henry Cavill. He's thing. just reloading his hands.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean the, the hits in that fight just look like bones are being broken oh, yeah. and yeah, bruise. It's it's an absolutely. Visceral fight.
0: I mean, it it reminds you of something out of the raid. I mean, yes. that's how good that fight scene Yes, is. And what's great too, uh Uh, We're talking about it gets all heavy. It ends on a comedic note. There's like an entire comedic note it ends on. There's a joke that follows immediately. Oh, yeah. It's great. The movie doesn't ever get too
1: self. I mean, there's even a joke right before the fight scene starts about Henry Cavill's (laughs) character's inability
0: to do things carefully, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) Which is just so delightful. Yes, it's great. Uh, Shout out to Rob Hardy, the cinematographer of Fallout, because you're right. This movie looks fantastic
1: uh, i mean again it's not the scene that either you or i picked but the shooting in the, those helicopter scenes is I, i'm stomach turning yeah it's, in a good way i um, mean you feel like you are in
0: that helicopter and you are part of the experience of trying to save the day yeah absolutely which uh leads me to my next point uh, if you see this we actually saw this on a on a regular theater screen i already have tickets to see it again on the on a dolby screen so uh but i say that to say see it on the biggest screen you can find, uh, I believe there were actually several sequences that were filmed in IMAX, so it's going to take, a, it's going to use that full IMAX screen. Um, so uh, for you out there who weren't sure if there was any differences, I don't think there's any 3D, thank God. But uh, IMAX, IMAX, Dolby, uh, XD Theater, whatever it is, there's is the biggest screen. Find it because you will not regret it. I,
1: I would agree with that recommendation, Caleb. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think it's probably fine to hit a matinee on this one. I mean, it's. At the end of the day, I don't know. I'm not going to go with David Ehrlich and say it's the one of the best action movies of all time. I will say it's the best action movie of the year so far, probably, uh, and one of the best of the last five. Um, I mean, I, I would say it, it's definitely in the conversation in terms of action choreography. Yeah, it is up there with Fury Road. I think Fury Road kind of transcends the genre and becomes full art. But it's damn good yeah um and definitely worth shelling out imax money for absolutely um yeah but you can save yourself go go to a, go to a matinee so you can shell up for popcorn too
0: if you're on a, if you're on a budget or if you're like me amc is not paying me but if you're like me and you have the amc a-lister thing you just go to the dolby for 20 dollars a month three times so. I, I just really like matinees honestly i hey I, en- man, I don't blame you i enjoy a matinee crowd it's quieter
1: People I, are less obnoxious. I like matinee crowds they're fun um, I although i will say a weeknight crowd also very good. I saw Leave No Trace recently. Oh yeah. Uh, on a weeknight. And uh just you know who's at the movies at seven o'clock on a Monday? Your mom. Retirees. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And they're having a great time. They're just having a blast. So I, I I would say you go go to a matinee, go when it's a little bit cheaper. And uh, you might you might see some people you don't normally see at the theater.
0: So matinee, IMAX. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a great recommendation. Uh and uh, I'm actually I'm really glad you brought up uh to kind of close us out talking about this in the larger context of action movies, best of all time. So we've been doing movie reviewing for a long time and we've talked about films for a long time. And I think I've just come, we both learned, uh, uh, be careful about early buzz. It's, uh, it it, can poison you. It can poison you. And I, I don't, I was not let down by this movie at all, but yes, when David Elric is saying the greatest action movie since bad max free road, and that happens to be my favorite action movie of the, uh, uh, that and Terminator two, my two favorite action movies of all time. It certainly like sets a very high bar that I think oftentimes might be setting us up for failure because I don't think it's as good as Fury Road. Although uh, Fury Road, as you said, I believe transcends action movie and sci fi. It is a very work of art. I don't know. Don't want to overstate I, it. I, I would. I, I would say that's not an
1: overstatement. I would say that's fair. And again, I think Fallout becomes a work of art in terms of just being a new benchmark for. Crowd pleasing uh, action cinema. Again, great. I think Fury Road is intentionally kind of weird, and you know, I mean, you've got the Doof where You're playing flamethrowing guitars on top of a, a truck that's made out of amps, uh, and you've got these sandstorm. There's some just visually, that film has a great color palette, and uh, thematically is saying all kinds of interesting things about our society and culture. And I don't, I don't know that Fallout gets there. I, I think Fallout does, as we've mentioned have a really strong moral core. And I think while it's it's not quite up there with Fury Road, I would say that it is absolutely about as good as an action movie possibly can be. And who knows, in a couple of years from now, I, and I'm with you, I... I'm very resistant to declaring things the best thing ever right out of the gate because it's easy to get swept up in the moment. Um, I I had that happen with, uh, we were talking about this off air with Blade Runner 2049. And I, I wanted to walk out of that theater and say, this is better than Blade Runner. You don't need to watch Blade Runner. You can just watch this. And it's taken me a year now to come around and say... Yeah, no, I still feel pretty comfortable with that opinion. I think so, too. But, I, you know, I, I, I'm I, not willing to, to go... And again, I love David Erlich a lot. He's actually one of my favorite film critics. Uh, I'm not going to go and give it that high praise, but I will say, again, as we mentioned at the top of the show, I don't think he's talking out of school to make that declaration. It's just... I'm not going to go that far. Right.
0: No, agreed. I agree. I don't... i put it that way. It, yeah, it is not out of the realm of possibility. I, for him to say that, I think that is a valid opinion. I don't think it's like out of nowhere. I think that's a very valid, and uh, it, informed opinion to have. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, easily, as you said, best this year, I think... You know, I and I haven't I haven't reached the point to where I say this is my favorite Mission Impossible yet, but I do think it it makes a very good case for being the best Mission Impossible yet, in and in a very c- consistently strong franchise. It's just
1: fun to watch a franchise that keeps being again with another a film series. I know you do not like nearly as much as I do, uh, but with The Purge, just a few weeks ago, the first Purge, the best entry in that franchise, without a doubt. Um, well, in fairness, I still have not caught up with the the, the original, but uh, which I know is, is strange. It's kind of but, strange.
0: But, but I, I mean, I, the original doesn't actually get into any of the stuff that makes that universe interesting I, at all. Yeah, I mean, my understanding is it's
1: more subtext. But, yeah, yes. I, again, it's been fun this year to watch franchise filmmaking. If this is the way that Hollywood's going to structure its release schedule, at the very least, they deserve to be good. If, if they're going to make us uh, only have Tim pole movies uh, and then we have to, like, find art houses playing these other films like eighth grade and first reformed all right fine I'll, i trust me i'll keep hunting down the a24 movies if they're the only people that are going to put out you know capital m or let's rather put it capital c cinema but um yeah fallout's great and i i don't i don't want to come across as too uh, above it because i love action
0: cinema it's it's how i got into film so uh, it's, it's it's damn good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, highest recommendations from both of us then. Um, well, thanks so much for tuning in. This is a bonus episode. We'll be back next week with a talk, Time Travel, which is our month- monthly theme at The Cinematropolis. We're going to be talking with Alexandra Bohannon about film scores and time travel and Jacob and Zachary Burns about their film that they're currently crowdsourcing, Shifter. So make sure to follow us over at thecinematropolis.com. Dalton Stewart, where can people keep up with you online? If you're interested in writing the merry-go-round that's taking us to
1: hell that is social media, uh, you can find me at doll underscore stew on twitter if you want to follow me personally uh if you're curious what i'm up to in terms of what i'm making uh you can follow uh good trash media which is still going strong um seven years seven S- years. six years six, six years this september look man it all bleeds together after a certain point uh going strong six years this september um uh, that's going to be goodtrashmedia.com for all of our show archives and written content and then you can follow us on twitter at good underscore trash and then uh I, I want to pimp our, our most recent uh, piece of content over there. It's a uh, show that I'm actually on uh, very often. I've been on twice, uh, but it's The Praise Down with Heath and Alex, our newest Good Trash Media show. Uh, two of Oklahoma City's best comedians, Heath Huffman and Alex Sanchez. I am biased. They're you know both in my wedding, but... I- look, I like they're, the guys a lot. They're pretty awesome. Uh, they are very delightful, uh, but they sit down. These are both guys who grew up in the Christian church and don't identify that way anymore, but still have a lot of love uh, for the, the that culture and a lot of love for the music of that culture, and so each week they have somebody uh, with a different faith background come to the show, and they talk about a different uh, Christian music record. Um, it's, it's a really fun show that is a I know that sounds like a mean show to secular guys talking about Christian music. It's not a mean show. It is as open hearted as it possibly could be. So that's um, a new thing we've got going on over a good trash media. Uh, again, that's uh, the praise down. And then obviously, our flagship show, The Good Trash Honor cast is still going strong after all these years.
0: You're at three hundred episode three hundred. We're not we'll be at three hundred st- by the end of this year. Okay, I, so you're at two hundred still.
1: okay. I want i'll I'll double check for you real quick. where I wanna say we're at two fifty something we just recorded uh, last night as a matter of fact, an episode over uh, Boys in the Hood, John Singleton's directorial nice. debut. Yeah, we're in the middle of a a really exciting coming of age marathon. Uh, Normally in the summer, we do an action movie or a blockbuster marathon, uh, but we decided this year that we wanted to do something a little bit different. So we've done a a coming-of-age marathon because so many coming-of-age films are set during the summer, uh, and we decided a fun way to structure it would be over the decades. So we started in the 50s with Stand By Me. Nice. uh, Followed that up with Dirty Dancing, Almost Famous, and then the 80s into the early 90s with Boys in the Hood, uh, and a couple more films coming down the pipe before we're done. But uh, we just uh, put out our Almost Famous episode Episode, and that was episode 275. 275. Yeah. God. Well, that's yeah.
0: uh, you guys you guys just keep on going on and I was uh, really really proud and happy to be uh, long for I don't know fifty or sixty of that I, episodes of that journey. I would say at least that yeah, probably, probably close to a hundred almost. I I would say. I mean you, I guess by the, the guest yeah by the yeah, really we count guest, guest appearances, appearances yeah. and stuff yeah <sighs> dang yeah. Uh, but now everything good trash media head on over if you like anything at the Cinematropolis, I promise you you're gonna love it. Uh, Dustin Arthur and Dalton are always having a really fun conversation. Bring some really insightful analysis. Sometimes it's uh, usually it's roundtable analysis about uh, movies that we don't get to talk about. Uh, nearly as much here you guys go back and just look at films that uh fit your themes and some of the best films or, i've ever seen and also talking about films a lot of people haven't seen or haven't discovered so it's, yeah, it's well, a great I, way to 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 get a new perspective on old movies you liked i appreciate you saying that yeah i mean and that's that's
1: the intent right we want to you don't have to to save these conversations for things like first reformed or annihilation or sorry to bother you i mean those are great uh, i mean some of my favorite films of the year but you can have in-depth conversations like that about point break and uh, Roadhouse, and I'm only thinking Patrick Roadhouse. Swayze movies right now. But <laughs> we had a good, we had a great one on Roadhouse. Man, that, that, was a that Roadhouse episode's really good. That was I'm fun. A, I'm a big fan of that episode. I, I did like that episode quite a bit. Um, I liked I, I, that whole episode was just me trying to sell you on Roadhouse being better than you were giving it credit
0: for, and I was just, I was just <laughs> trying to convince you it was good. I, I mean, uh, you know, I. I have come to appreciate it for what it is. Yes. I, 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 indeed, you did, you, did, you did win. You persuaded me in some way because I was like, you know, I mean, it's a lot more self-aware than I was giving it credit for. And, uh, I mean, Patrick Choisy. He's so good. Uh, he's wonderful. But, yeah,
1: that's, that's what we're up to. And uh, thank you, Caleb. It was, those are very nice things that you just said
0: oh no absolutely and uh so highly recommend goodtrashmedia.com for the cinematropolis if you if this is your first time tuning in you can head on over to of course thecinematropolis.com, uh or follow us on twitter and instagram at the cinematrop and we're also on facebook so give us a like there and yeah we're gonna be riding this time travel wave for another two or three weeks until the end uh, i think the third week of august so uh, keep your eyes peeled there and until next time